Hello and welcome to the Networking Lab. I'm your host, Jamie Stewart from Circle Networks. Are you ready to scale your business in order to earn more and work less? In this podcast, I share insights and interviews with real business owners to reveal what's working for them to help you leverage time and your network to improve your life and business. Hello and welcome, episode 15 of the Networking Lab. And today I'm joined by an untypical accountant called Daryl Davis. Hi, Daryl. Hi, Jamie. You okay? I'm very well. Right. I love introducing you to people. So I say, if you think of the normal world of networking and business introductions, people might go, I know this accountant. Would you like to meet him? And I would imagine most people go, I've got one already. Thanks. I'm okay. When I introduce you to people, I say, can I introduce you to my friend Daryl? He's an accountant and he's a really down to earth person. And because I know that you've got dogs, if they've got dogs, I'll say, and he's a dog owner, just like you. In fact, I'm always laughing at the the, the things that are going wrong with these dogs when they're chewing <laughs> things and barking. And, and generally they say yes. So when we get to know the person, rather than just introducing people by their job title or their business, people generally want to meet them. So I find it really easy to introduce you. What I like about you is you're speaking plain English and that I think in your industry sets you miles apart from everybody else. So um, let me ask you a couple of questions to begin with. How is business going for you right now? Business is going well, thank you. Um, we've got, uh, let's say, um, quite a, a simple business model and that's to know our clients. We like the thought of um, not growing to a great extent where we are, you know, 200 strong in our team, where our clients just become numbers. We like the concept of knowing our clients because we're living in very unsure times. And I think to be able to give the, the right advice in the right manner, in a timely way, and be as proactive as we can, we have to know the people, just like you've just suggested, really, know the people behind the business and know the businesses inside out in order to provide that best advice. Yeah. And, and I think people forget sometimes, at the end of the day, you're running your own business, just like the rest of it. Yeah, it's a, it's a very valid point. I mean, I, I've, you know, I started this practice four years ago. Um, it was born out of, um, you know, 27 years experience working for another firm of accountants. So this is my 31st into my 32nd year now. And um, yeah, I, I think I've been advising new business startups for, for many, many years, but I've had my eyes opened as well, you know, um, trying to, um, you know, it's quite topical at the moment, but trying to avoid hour long, two hour long, three hour long discussions and almost arguments with energy providers and uh, re business rates, uh, individuals, you know, it can get very frustrating. So I've had my eyes opened a lot and there's a lot of, um, a lot of stress and strains beyond what you would deem to be the norm when it comes to starting a new business so as we're recording this end of november in 2022 we're in uh, uncertain economic times right now and i think oh my dogs can whenever i start a podcast merlin comes and joins me um so whenever um i was prepared today i've got some treats whenever there's a downturn people hear and see the news but i think there are a lot of businesses that do well 
that we don't hear about and they feel bad promoting that they're doing really well we hear about the profits that the energy companies make and stuff like that the stuff there's a lot of stuff that's outside of the press that could be good news that we just don't hear about so from your perspective with your helicopter view and i don't expect you to share any confidential information or anything like that but you have a, a view of the world that not many people get to see so how would you say that business the business landscape is for people running businesses right now jamie it's it's a really difficult time and that that's not going to be news to anyone um you know the the government have obviously had many changes go on in the, in the last few months um, certain decisions are made and then they're unmade, then they're made again. And it, it's difficult enough to make decisions and plan for the future. Anyone who's running a business has probably got a short-term plan that leads into a medium-term plan that leads into a long-term plan. Well, I don't think I can recall a time when it, they've needed to maybe adjust that so many times in, in the last few months. So I think that... Um, you know, the press have a way of, um, of talking this into recession almost. And I, and I believe that in any negative time, there are actually opportunities out there. Um, I believe in the Far East, they have a completely different outlook to, to we uh, in the UK. When it comes to difficult times in, in the economy, they try to get ahead by maybe upping their marketing budget. I'm not saying that's the right thing, but that's what they do. Uh, over here, the first thing we do is turn off the tap. To, to various functions that we don't see as quite important. But I think the only way businesses can get ahead in difficult times is actually to look to the future and to make certain decisions at the right time and really pick out opportunities that, that are there. You know, I mean, you would quite rightly preach about working in the business and working on the business. Working you know, on the business is, is very important to have that peripheral view so that the right decisions can be made for planning for the future and i think seeing opportunities because they are always there in a difficult time is is really important without a doubt so whilst i'm familiar of the and i've seen it firsthand from clients in the past that have reduced their marketing spend cut back on certain things is that something that you typically see in times like this absolutely yeah yeah and and i find it in a way i understand it because obviously you know, there, there is most more often than not a bottomless pot of gold. You know, they, they've got budgets, they've got um, a finite resource level. Um, but is marketing, uh, turning the top off to marketing the, the right way forward? To, to an extent, I would, agree, I would actually say not on the basis that there are opportunities. You know, when we see the COVID time, um, you know, a lot of businesses suffered. The government did, in my opinion, um, a decent job in a, in a lot of what they did to, to assist the right people. Um, but, you know, when the um, when push came to shove after a number of months, and we're still seeing it now, they're not going to affect the delayed reaction. Certain companies are, are now starting to falter on the back of lost sales and lost contacts. And, Companies go into liquidation that then creates more companies to go into liquidation, almost like a domino effect. Yeah. Um, as wrong as this might seem, you know, we have to look after our own businesses. We have to really concentrate on our own way forward. And there will be lots of businesses in lots of industries that will know that some of their competitors probably didn't make it through. And to be able to, um, you know, invest, I would say is probably the right word, 
in a little bit of marketing to, to actually expand and also team up with the right people to expand um, their growth rate and capture some of the possibly sales which are now available to them that would have been available to the um, to the casualties. It, it's got to be the survival. As callous as that sounds. Well, you're right, and I see it. So in the town that I live in, Cheshire, in a town called Sandbach, and I've seen that there's a a nice Chinese restaurant has shut its doors. It's got a sign on the door that says, due to the rising costs, we're uh, closed for the foreseeable. And I think that that's just made all the others busier. Because when I walk past them at night, when I walk in the dogs, and, and I'll, even on weeknights, I'll see that most of the restaurants are doing good trade. So that's the opportunity to... And, and that's... I talk to so many people about this, working on your visibility. That's the whole point of this podcast, to help people increase their exposure. Um, there are things that people can do where they, they invest in it, but that investment might just be time for some people. So if they're like, well, it's all very well for you to say, carry on spending on marketing, but if my sales have dropped and I can't afford it, there are lots of things that you can do to raise your profile and get in front of people and have more conversations. Networking is an obvious one, whether it's circle networks or something else, social media, um, just going through your phone book and going, you know, going through all your old invoices and ringing up previous clients that you've just forgotten about. Absolutely. I mean, in, in busy times, people have a habit of going with the flow and being busy at their day ends and so be it but when you're a business owner you you obviously get out to to an extent what you put in so on an evening you might be at home over a glass of wine or whatever and to be honest um trolling through some old contacts old emails and um you know people are fickle generally and um if if there's an old contact that's uh, sort of dropped off um maybe they'd be quite happy if um if contact was made again you know and it's about that the day doesn't end at um, at the end of the working day unfortunately or fortunately whichever way you look at it and um and working on the business is i would argue at the moment as equal as um equally important as working in the business so yeah um so we're in uncertain times and we have been for the last couple of years i guess you've just gone through um an expansion this the last 12 18 months tell us a little bit about that um we uh, were, when I first started the practice four years ago, um, we started off as a team of four. Um, in Our industry is very similar to lots of other industries where the red tape and bureaucracy and um, compliance is, is so much greater than it was 20 years ago. So I, I chose not to start the practice on my own, uh, working from home. Uh, so I, I took a, a leap of faith and um, started off with an office uh with uh, four members of staff there are now 12 of us some are part-time um and it's it's going very well and I, I think that as you grow and you provide a good service and you are proactive and you do everything you say you do that generally leads to people recommending you and the larger your client bank is or the larger your customer base is the, the more that's likely to grow over time um, we had an opportunity to take on a retiring accountant who only wants to semi-retire and that's good for us because it means that uh, I don't necessarily have to face all of the pressures of, um, of suddenly getting to know firsthand all of those clients. So it was a small acquisition, probably about 20 to 25% of our, of our size that's been bolted on. But the good news for us is that the accountant is now on board with us. He's now the, still the first port to call for those clients. So 
we've maintained that continuity of service and it's important for, for individuals to, to still have contact with that one person. They're learning that we are telling the truth when we say that he's not going to disappear after six months, he's still going to be here in hopefully five years time, um, albeit on a part-time basis. And yeah. rather than him working on his own and struggling to, to provide the service that they have come to get and be used to, he's now got a team behind him as well. So hopefully it's a win-win. Brilliant. Well, that's good to hear. So it's good for him because it's less stress, and but he still carries on to keep going and yeah. you to continue your expansion. Um, Although I will say that um, he works Tuesday, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and it's Friday today and he's actually working. So um, <laughs> we're going to have to work on him a little bit more. Maybe it's just a good place to work and he likes being part of the team. Possibly so. <laughs> um, right. So as, as an accountant, I think that there's, as in all industries, there are degrees of service. And there are people that get excellent service and people that don't get quite so good service. What questions would you say that people should be asking an accountant um, before they even start working with them? That is a very good question. I, I would argue that over the last five years, we've seen quite a transition into the world of making tax digital. So it's a several staged attack. Um, so the government have, have insisted that businesses of a turnover that is equal to or greater than the VAT threshold of £85,000 are already in the world of making tax digital. And there's a gradual introduction to smaller businesses over the next couple of years. And in April 2024, individual sole traders or individual landlords who prepare a personal tax return with a turnover of more than £10,000 are going to have to register under the making tax digital scenario, which means basically that they're going to have to file their figures on a quarterly basis through an account, um, a, a cloud-based management accounts package um, to HMRC. They cannot survive on a, a Tesco carrier bag full of screwed up receipts anymore. Those days are fast disappearing. Um, the advent of making tax digital uh, and the digitalization has actually led to uh, a scenario where I believe that very quickly the accountant's role has changed hugely. Okay, we are no longer processors um, and you know producing a set of accounts at the end of the year and good luck with the year and let's talk in twelve months' time. That's th those days are gone now. Um, I think that. To some, some degree, um, our job has been made a little bit easier. Um, geographically, uh, it doesn't matter where a client is based anymore. Yeah. We can tap in through cloud-based accounting and, and, and really assist and support um, individuals with their figures. Um, but I think that um, the, the overview is the fact that uh, accountants have become business advisors more than just accountants and, and tax advisors. And I think clients have come quite rightly to expect the accountant is there as a, as a support tool um, outside of just preparation of accounts. It's more being there, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And this is where I'm going back to the importance of knowing your client, because how can an accountant advise um, what someone should do in their business at a given time with a certain set of figures. Figures are figures, figures are important, accuracy is important, but 
being able to advise on the next move with regards to those figures is largely going to be down to the knowledge base around that particular client. And that's why it's so important. Yeah. So go back, what, what questions should somebody ask an accountant if, if they're not happy with the one that they're with currently, or they're just thinking that maybe I need to think about making the change, what would be the, I think, I think, yeah, I, I, I sort of went off at, um, and answered that question without answering the question, didn't I? So I think the questions that, um, that need to be asked on the back of what I've just said, um, are, uh, what will you do to support me? How proactive are you? Um, you know, am I going to see you once a year? Uh, is it going to be a phone call if I'm lucky? Do you take 10 days to get back to me on an email? How many emails does it take for you to respond? Um, how well will you get to know my business? Um, obviously, cost is important. You know, individuals, as I said earlier, have a finite resource. And quite frankly, an individual, you know, is not going to be able to pay bottom price and, and get, you know, a, a top tier service. So, the discussion and questions around what service an accountant can provide um, is is going to need to be had, and um, obviously the cost is is important. But um, it's not always about cost savings. You know, uh, we we took on a client recently who um, I don't know whether it, it's a good or a bad thing, but um, they came in to see me and they had all these moans about their um, their current accountant. Um, never gets back to them, takes four or five emails, might be two weeks before they get a response to something. And I, I kind of explained how we operate and, and how we try to be as proactive as we can. And, you know, when they told me how much they were paying, I said, well, we couldn't do that. For that. You know, yeah. um, I, I actually quoted them double the price. Not that I think that our price was expensive, but I quoted them double the price and, and they're now on board as a client. Um, and I think they equate that uh, the price to the service and realize it's more about value for money rather than solely homing in on, on the price. And I'm, I'm actually um, kind of emphasizing that as though we are an expensive firm of accountants, but really not. You know, we, we will never price-wise be able to compete with an individual with, um, you know, working out of the back bedroom, if you like. Um, but at the same time, I think we're, we're good value for money compared to some of the larger firms who don't know their clients. So... And I think for anybody listening to this, they generally don't win their business based on being the cheapest. No. They're good at what they do and they charge an appropriate price for it. And why would we expect to take on the service providers to help us run our business and expect to find the cheapest? Cheapest doesn't equate to best, does it? Correct. Yeah. Um, okay. So I like the fact that you, you've got this perspective that it's not about cutting costs. And I think that's what a lot of people perceive accountants just say, well, you just need to cut all your costs. It's about running a business, isn't it? And your role as a, as a trusted advisor is to help people make the right kind of decisions and guide them. It's, it's also helping the right people as well, because, you know, one of the interesting parts of my job, everyone thinks you're an accountant, everything's boring. Well, to a degree it is. But one of the interesting things about my job is people, because everyone's different, aren't they? And um, I think, you know, we, we know that we are a proactive firm. We know what we can do. We know that we provide a good service. We know we can add value. But if a client isn't necessarily of the right mindset to, to take the advice, it's a waste of time. If a client 
um, doesn't value what we do or appreciate what we do, they're not the right client. You know, so we're willing to help those who are willing to help themselves. So. Okay. Um, one of the things that you've done as part of your expansion is to launch a, a new business as well with making that making tax digital come in and rolling out down to smaller businesses just just give us a, an overview of that so davis architects accountants um the the existing practice um i've kind of explained how we like to add value we like to be proactive and so on um with making tax digital um being rolled out to individual self-employed people and to landlords who maybe currently produce their own self-assessment return. Uh, it's not lost on us that these people potentially like to look after their own tax affairs, file their own tax return, um, and don't necessarily want the advice or, um, or to interact with an accountant, um, you know, for all the reasons you've probably opened this session with. Um, we're happy to help anyone who wants to, to grow their business, but I personally wanted a, a clear distinction between clients who uh, are wanting to interact and want that support, that proactive support, and those clients who, uh, for various reasons, might choose not to need or want to have to um, liaise with an accountant on a regular basis. So we set up a, uh, a practice called uh, Easy Accounting Limited, and in April 2024, um, making Tax Digital, as I said, is being rolled out to uh, individual sole traders. And these individual sole traders are going to have to um, comply with the new rules, which is to file quarterly figures through an accounting cloud-based software. Um, the accounting cloud-based software is likely to cost a few hundred pounds a year, okay? Uh, whether it be QuickBooks, whether it be Zero, whether it be Sage, whether it be Free Agent, um, you know, there are various uh, opportunities out there. However, individuals who have been used to uh, filing their personal tax return on the 31st of January of the year and then sighing a, a big sigh of relief and thinking, um, you know, I won't leave it till this time next year, um, they're going to have to change. And they're going to have to subscribe to one of these cloud-based products. It's going to cost them a few hundred pounds a year and they've still got to file these figures themselves. Um, we have a solution um, where we are offering the cloud-based software free of charge, okay? Um, and so if any individual sole trader or uh, individual landlord who prepares their own self-assessment return was aware and philosophical about the fact that they're going to be paying three or four hundred pounds a year in the future to one of these providers, um, we will offer the service through Easy Accounting Limited for three hundred pounds plus VAT, um, and we will actually do the work for them. So that's that's actually the business model. So, um, you know, the clear distinction between the two practices is the fact that these individuals, for such a lean price may be happy with that um, if, if they decide in time that they want to grow their business and they want to interact with us in a, in a more sort of proactive way we are more than happy to transition them across to the davis davis architects um you know side of, of, the, of the equation um, but whilst they're happy to just have everything uh, processed in an efficient 
and um, in a professional and and streamlined way, and no interaction with an accountant, then then fine. It's, it's still prepared by an accountant. It's just without the the dialogue, which takes time. It's so. it's, it's still us, you know, and um, you know it's it's not lost on us that uh, a lot of people may choose to go down the road of um, you know the the streamlined approach with no contact, and then suddenly might be ringing us up every day of the week for a chat. Uh, well, that's fine, but we need to kind of marry up the services versus cost at that point. Okay, so for for anyone who's running as a sole trader and turning over what ten thousand pound plus up to the yep. VAT threshold mm -hmm. for three hundred pound plus VAT, you could have the software solution to manage your quarterly submissions and have your account submitted. Uh, absolutely. So, in in some ways, it's a no brainer because these individuals are going to have to pay something out anyway. Yeah. Um, but to pay the same price and have it done for them, you know, should be a winner, shouldn't it? I love that. And I love it the way that you've packaged it so that it, well, why would you just pay for your accountant service software when you could have your accounts done as part of the mix as well? Yeah. And they don't have to talk to a boring accountant. Win-win <laughs> <laughs> all round. <laughs> okay. What? Right. So looking at your business for a minute then, how have you, how have you scaled it? So I think one of the things that I like to do is to, help people share stuff so that if someone's listening to this, we're all running businesses. What have you done well that you could share with somebody else in your business? I think that um, it's, it's been a bit of a whirlwind because we, we've got to where we are in, in four years. And, and when I look back, it's been a, it's been a difficult time. Um, you know, we've had COVID to contend with um, uh, and lots of other things going on along the way. And it's um, four years in some respects has gone by in a flash, but in other respects, it's it's been a long four years. Um, as I said, you know, you get out what you put in. So uh, I, I would say that um, for me, in the industry that we're in, um, I've, I've almost done a made a few decisions that I wouldn't have advised some of my clients to take. So to actually um, open or secure an office uh, and take on four staff from day one with with no clients is sheer madness and I, I could not advise anyone to do that however I had faith in the fact that we were able to market in the right way and able to work with the right people and soon grow to a point where um, it was worth it but all along the way I think the important thing to say here is that we're still growing and the most important thing of all is knowing your clients, that's our, that's our philosophy, and yeah. maintaining our resource level. So um, as we've grown, we've taken on another member of staff. You know, at, at, on paper, uh, in theory, without that member of staff, I could have a bigger wage. But it's not going to do us any good if we have not enough resources to get back to our clients if they want to email us and, and make contact. Yeah. Um, in addition, there's that continuity as well. I alluded to earlier on with the acquisition. Um, we have a philosophy where if, you know, I, I might be the senior person in the, um, in the business, but if I take on a new client, I become first port of call for that individual. They don't get passed from pillar to post. I have a great team around me. Um, we've got a couple of client managers who, 
uh, do a similar job to me. So if they take on a, a new client, then they would be the first call to call. So it's not all about Daryl. Yeah. But the point is that um, clients like continuity. They like that relationship and, it, and it's very, very important. Okay. What do you do within your business then? You're not just accountants. You have people that help you with your marketing. Yeah, um, so we've got um, a, a lady who looks after our social media. Um, so she interacts with me regularly so that, um, you know, she, she derives content from, from me, myself, and um, that, that goes out. Um, so, yeah, we've, we've got uh, an admin department who have becoming, uh, become very proficient in, in what they do. Um, that also helps to streamline the uh, the process. Um, friendly people is quite important. So friendly people who can speak to people in the right way when they when they phone up. Yeah, it's a bit daunting, I would imagine, um, trying to find an accountant. I've never done it. I wouldn't know. But uh, I I think it's daunting uh, phoning up and wanting to speak to a firm of accountants and. If you've got someone grumpy answering the phone to you um, or, or someone who is um, maybe a little bit official, um, it's probably the right way to put it, and is better served working in the council tax department of the local authority, if I can say that, um, then it's probably not great. Uh, yeah. So being friendly bunch is, is really important. And then that's probably what comes across when I'm introducing you to people. So we've, we've met through networking. Yes. You're a member in Circle Networks. How have you found networking has helped your business? Networking is brilliant. I mean, we do, uh, I do uh, a little bit of face-to-face -face networking and through um, through the COVID period, obviously that wasn't possible. But the downsides of face-to-face -face networking is, you know, the, the one that I still go to um, is that you turn up at 10 o'clock in the morning and then um, really between 9 a.m. and 10 a.m., it's impossible to get any work done. I'm always frightened to get any work done because um, you can get dragged into certain things and then you invariably are late to turn up for the meeting. So really you're not working on the business or in the business between 9am and 10am on that day. Then you go to the meeting. You have to physically go there. Um, you then, as much as it's enjoyable, uh, you then have two hours of the meeting. Um, and then you leave so the whole morning's gone you know uh, I think with regards to circle networks it's online so you can sit in your office you're already at work so you can sit in your office um, that said I would urge people who experience circle networks to leave their phone turned off and, and pretend they are in a, a proper meeting um, it's quite important because you concentrate because you get a lot from it um, and I like the fact that you meet lots of people. I had reservations when I joined Circle Networks. My reservations were, um, hang on. So you meet these people in a, a breakout room. You're probably never gonna meet them again. How do you get your points across? How do you get them to understand what you do? Um, but actually the whole concept of Circle Networks is completely opposite to what I thought. And you get to meet lots of great people. Everyone who, um, I don't know. I, I guess you vet people so that they are like-minded when they are when they become Circle Networks members, because everyone seems to want to get something out of it, and they know they're there for a reason. But they all have this philosophy that you've got to know the person. 
and to know the person you then start to learn about the business and what they do and you need to develop that trust behind people and these breakout rooms what they do is you you may only get to speak to someone for a few moments every meeting but um every couple of weeks or every week you might see that same person and bump into them in another breakout room you then are urged quite sensibly to a strike at one-to-ones where you can have a zoom call or even a face-to-face depends on geography but zoom is is equally good um and then you can have a one-to-one meeting and, and get to know them even more um and and the whole concept behind that is great and to be honest um i've been um i've been astounded at the results that we've had from circle networks it takes time you know uh, you've got to form these relationships once you have formed the relationships um i can categorically say that we now as a firm are working with some other circle networks members um, and equally important have been recommended by circle networks members for people who aren't members of circle networks so the networking thing does actually work very well. Good. I'm, that wasn't rehearsed. I didn't know that you were going to say that, but I knew that you enjoyed it. And it's good to hear. I love hearing other people's perspective on it. We don't bet people. What we do, we just tell people that we only really want nice people coming along. Well, it works. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the members like to hear that, that they are classed as nice people. So yeah, yeah. then I just say, who do you know that's like you? And that's generally is the message. When you know you're dealing with nice people, you start to relax a bit more. And um, then the true you comes through. Yes. And then I think you get more out of it. Definitely. Okay. Um, going back to your holistic view of business right now, what are people doing? So the people, the businesses that are doing well, what can you see that other people should be doing? Um. It, it is a tough time and um, people are conscious that um, they may have to watch their pennies over the next couple of years. Um, I think it's what I'm hearing is that a lot of clients say we're having to work hard for the same money. Well, that, I believe that is true, um, but I believe that hard work will pay off in the long term. Um, seeing opportunities out there, as I said earlier, uh, people need to look out for those opportunities, whatever they are in their particular field. Um, it's vital they do that because um, there, there have been casualties and unless you go out and look for those opportunities, they're not gonna land in your lap. Yeah. Um, so working on the business, as much as in the business, is really the way forward, I think, for the next couple of years and beyond. Do you see, do you see the people who read the press, watch the news, listen to the news. Does that have a, a sway on people's actions and activity? Absolutely. Um, uh, you know, we know that in 2008, the banking crisis, the recession was largely caused um, by actions taken uh, within the banking sector. But the press kind of were a massive catalyst to the subsequent events. Um, and then through COVID and the knock-on effect of COVID and the fuel crisis and everything that's going on, you know, overseas at the moment, I, I think that indirectly it's affecting some businesses, it's affecting directly, but indirectly it's affecting lots of businesses. And I think that the press, uh, whilst they have a job to do, um, I can get quite frustrated at, at some of the messages that come through because um, 
you know, we, we collate on a monthly basis. One of the things I was going to say earlier, we, we send out a, a monthly newsletter, which is quite informative. There's a lot of stuff in there that is uh, relevant to, to many businesses and many people. Some stuff won't be relevant to, to some, but that's fine. People pick and choose what they read. Um, but when we are kind of categorizing the information, the topical events that, that we need to send out to people. I, I have to be honest, there are certain things that don't make the cut and they don't make the cut on the basis that it, it's going to send the wrong message. Um, we want reality, we want positivity. Yeah, we don't want negativity because negativity can trigger businesses to, um, you know, um, shut down internally, uh, not make the right decisions um, when really they should be doing the opposite. Okay, I like that. We've got to be careful about who we listen to. That's that's what I heard from that. Uh, absolutely right. Um, you know, the, the press, as I say, have a job to do. But, you know, for them, um, <laughs> I don't want to speak ill of the press, but um, there, there are lots of negative comments, not to negative moves coming within the press. And if yeah. if everyone listened to them and everyone acted upon them, the negativity spirals, doesn't it? You know, it's Im important to uh, to see positives. I think. Yeah, and and to be around people, the right people that we have around us as well, trusted advisors like your accountant, where you get, and it's been refreshing to hear you talking about people should not necessarily be cutting costs on their marketing activity and i guess that's taking a, a well-rounded view if something's not working you don't mean carry on doing it but don't stop doing the stuff that's working and has worked in the past because other people are going to stop doing that stuff yeah, so you, so yeah. you're going to be even more visible as a result absolutely. absolutely i'm a huge fan of that i love the fact that that networking you're in more than one network and you encourage people to do both face-to-face -face and online. Circle Networks produces a terrible breakfast compared to the face-to-face -face one. <laughs> That's because you make it yourself. <laughs> yeah. So Circle Networks is good for your health. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. I, right. When I used to do a lot of face-to-face -face stuff, I, I lived for the breakfasts. And I don't have those anymore now. Uh, <laughs> plainly, I, plainly, I do. <laughs> <laughs> um. Right. The last bit that I just want to touch on. Um, so I said to you before, one of our top episodes so far has been with Luke Mather, where we talked, he was a financial advisor. And we talked about the need for people to be planning to be retiring with more than a million pounds in your pension pot or in, you know, in investments in order to give the kind of lifestyle that, that people are not going to be on, on the breadline. I wonder how many people leave a job to start a business and end up creating themselves a job as a solopreneur with less benefits. And by less benefits, I mean, they might have replaced their income or slightly less, but if they take some time off, they don't earn. So they don't get paid while they're on holiday. And they're not paying into a, a pension scheme and they probably don't have any benefits like healthcare. What would your advice be to people I think that anyone who's thinking of jumping from employment to uh, self-employment or starting their own company, they need to have a vision of where they need to get to. The short-term goals, the medium-term goals that lead into the long-term goals uh, are quite critical. Um, I think that they have to be 
the right type of person. They can't expect for growth to land in their lap. They have to go out and be prepared to have a budget for marketing, have a budget for networking, have a budget for various areas of the business. But they have to be prepared to put in the miles as well. They have to be prepared to, to do the hours, uh, work hard. Um, and really, everything that they perhaps were not necessarily doing so much as, a, as an employee. Now, as an employee, there are always those people who get to a stage where they feel like they're, they're running the company, they're doing everything and, and reaping none of the rewards. Well, they just replicate that in their own uh, arena uh, for themselves and that, that's fine. But we're under no illusion, it's, it's extremely hard work. And for anyone starting their own business in these times, it's, I would argue, even more hard work. But as I said, look out for the opportunities because the opportunities are definitely there, whatever, whichever sector people are in. Um, and work hard, put in the, uh, pull in the hours, work on the business as much as in the business. And in time, success will obviously follow. And, and I would hope they can kind of sidestep or step over, leapfrog, whatever you want to say, um, that area of the they're working all these hours and they're not seeing any more benefits uh, and so get disenchanted yeah. than they had when they were an employee with less stress and less hustle. Um, they've got to get over that hurdle. And once they're over that hurdle, they're, they're sailing into the, into the future and probably won't look back. Um, one of the discussions that I've had with Jay Allen recently with some of our clients has been around how many hours are you working in your business? and how many hours on it. And I think a lot of people go into self-employment thinking, right, well, if I did 40 hours and I charge £10 an hour, then I can make £400 a week. Obviously, I would hope that they charge more than £10 an hour, but it makes for easy maths for me doing this. Um, but there is a lot of work to do outside of servicing your clients. You know, if we think about it, networking opportunities, sales activity, um, initially you're going to be doing your bookkeeping and and things like that yourself people don't factor that in and you you also mentioned having budgets for different things like networking and perhaps if you're no good at certain things like social media you might bring somebody on to support you with some of your marketing activity i come across a lot of people that go well when there's more money in the bank that's when i'll invest in the marketing activity and how are they going to get more money in the bank? <laughs> so from your perspective, and I'm, I'm not saying that people should go and spend all their money, but there should be a budget for it, even if it's a minimum amount, in order to generate the interest in the leads, which leads to the sales. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Right. Last question for you. What do you do outside of work? What's the, the Daryl Davis that people don't get to see normally? Um, well, I'm quite busy outside of work, uh, although I can be found uh, often blending my outside work interests with my work in that I may be taking my dogs for a walk around the field whilst emailing people um, and then walk into a tree. And <laughs> Um, I, I like uh, spending time with the, the family. I, I do have two dogs. I have a German Shepherd and a, an old English Bulldog. They are lovely, um, although they don't get along, but individually they are lovely. 
Um, it's been a very challenging summer keeping them apart, and I'm hoping that in time we can reintroduce them together. Um, I have uh, three children, my uh, two daughters, there's only nine and, a half month, nine and a half months between them. So I've got a 26 year old and a 25 year old. And I also have a nearly 16 year old son who I'm over the moon at because through COVID he had to give up his interest, which has been a lifelong passion of mine, which is boxing. Um, as a kid growing up, uh, I never found a boxing club in the or close enough to where I live to be able to to take up boxing I've always been interested in boxing um, and the history of boxing and I was over the moon when Harry decided to to take up boxing so I'll take him to boxing club three times a week Covid came it all ended uh, literally about six weeks ago he's um, shown an interest again and we're, we're back in uh, we're back in the room so He's now going on a um, going to boxing club on a, a Tuesday night. Sorry, Monday night, Tuesday night, and a Thursday night. Um, it's a, it's an interesting one for me because uh, adults are not allowed uh, to to sort of partake in the gym and so on. So I have to watch from afar. So there is an element of pride, but jealousy as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but it's it's good. He's doing very well, and uh, I believe it's um, it, it's a good discipline. Um, for teenagers who, um, you know, a lot of them need bringing into line. <laughs> That's a whole different podcast. Absolutely. Um, all my kids have done martial arts from a young okay. age um, for the same reason. And I think, it, one, it gives them somebody else discipline in them, but it helps them avoid trouble. You know, I did martial arts when I was younger and was never really one of those kids that ever got into fights. I think it just gives you an awareness of the people to avoid. Um, uh, absolutely, yeah. And, and then there's all the the fitness benefits from it. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of that. What about holidays? Do you like your holidays? Yeah, we have um, we own some uh, fixed timeshare in uh, in Tenerife, um, so a few weeks every, every April. But we haven't been since uh, since 2019. Getting the business going, getting the practice rolling, uh, and then COVID, of course, as well. So. Um, we we are we are actually going back there next April, which will be nice. Um, long overdue, blow some cobwebs away. Um, I used to years ago. I used to play a lot of squash, and um, I, I, I well, I had an accident on court in January 15 and ripped out my cruciate ligament, so I had to have that um, re um, reconstructed actually. So that put paid to. I used to do uh, squash probably three or four times a week, and then. I used to also go short distance running for about five kilometers twice, three times a week as well. So my, my fitness levels have, uh, have dropped off hugely. So um, I, I will, when I'm in Tenerife next year, miss the early morning runs along the beach and, and, and also the, the place we stay at does have two underground squash courts. So it's going to be difficult. Um, but, um, you know, who knows? I might get myself into some sort of shape, don't know. <laughs> If someone wants to find out more about your business, Daryl, where's the best place for them to find out more? So uh, we're quite frequently posting on LinkedIn. So we can uh, be found on, on LinkedIn. Just uh, search for, for Daryl Davis, uh, FCCA. Um, Davis Architects Accountants has a website, www.davis-architects.com. Um, and um, yeah, happy to talk to anyone who really wants some advice or, or, or wants to speak to us.
Love that. Thank you for your time today. I really enjoyed Thank it. Thank you, Jamie. All right. It's, take been, care. A, it's been a blast. <laughs> <laughs> I'll speak to you soon. Cheers, Jamie. Bye.